On Pop Fiction Women, we explore what it means to be a complicated woman. Tired of endless variations of leading men next to one-dimensional archetypes of women, or strong female leads written by men that were essentially guys in women's bodies. We started this show to highlight the many female characters in entertainment worth exploring, as well as the women who dreamt them up. And now we're adding those creators to our conversations, discussing their process and passion in bringing these women to life. Welcome to Complicated Conversations. On these episodes, there's no spoilers. So come on, it's starting. On this episode of Complicated Conversations, we welcome Deepthi Kapoor, the author of A Bad Character and her new novel, Age of Vice, which is the GMA book club pick for January. An instant bestseller, this thrilling crime drama has been called India's Answer to the Godfather by The Guardian. We're going to talk about that a little in yeah, a little bit. But, <laughs> uh, good, good, good. Welcome to Pop Fiction Women, Deepthi. It's a real pleasure to be talking to you both. Thanks for having me. Good, good. So before we get, we want to talk about the book, but before that, it's been out for a little bit, and this uh-huh. isn't your first book, but it is the first time you're really thrust into the oh, spotlight. Gosh. You're still mm-hmm. in such demand for interviews, and and there's a lot going on around this book. How are you feeling? Are you processing it? Are you in survival mode? Are you enjoying every single second of it? What somewhere in between, probably? Yeah, all of those um, things. <laughs> yes. That's the, I was just coming to that. It's all of those things. I am surviving it. Um, it's been physically exhausting because I have, um, I was in New York earlier in the month, then to Paris, then actually ended up going to Jaipur, uh, back home, India, for the, but just for the weekend, which feels oh. really strange oh. for a literature festival, and, and then came back home to Lisbon. Um, so, yeah, just happy, tired, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, um, figuring out that probably this is not the right month to do a dry January. This isn't working. I'm going to need a drink at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, oh. Well, you can get a pass this year, I think. It's a big, yeah. it's a big year. So yeah, I, I I'm so- not. Yeah, go, exactly. Yeah. You know, I've yeah. done dry January many times. I've now decided there's never a good January to do dry January. So I've just kind of moved past that now. I mean, it's always cold and it gets cold yes. faster and darker. And, yes. and, and what are you, what are you going to do in those long evenings, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes. Well, so we want to jump in to some of mm-hmm. your characters here. We are pop fiction women, so we do focus on women on this podcast. So we'd love to start with Neda. Am I pronouncing that right? Um, uh, sort of. It's Neda. 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 Yeah. So Neda uh, mm-hmm. spent several years uh, as a journalist along with her mentor, Dean, who had written sort of a scandalous piece about the Wadia family, but ultimately... Mm-hmm was threatened into not publishing it. And so we'd love to hear about your development of Netta, but specifically, you know, how through her character, you were able to sort of explore this relationship between power and influence and journalism. And I know you have some personal insights into that, I'm sure, since you were previously a journalist yourself. Well, first, I think it's really interesting to have, you know, I was a journalist myself, so I could use some of the experience of those years um, and, and transpose them into a fictional world, but also 
you know, having a journalist is great for exposition. I mean, purely like banal answers. <laughs> and also because this world is one of, of corruption, of abuse of power, of crony capitalism. There is so much. And also you have this big family at the center of it all pulling the strings. So I was really interested in exploring that relationship between power and influence, as you said, but also the complicity and compromises that someone, a character like Neda does have to, will have to make with her morality. Because Neda mm-hmm. thinks she's a good person, um, you know, um, but how can she be when she's yeah. sitting on top of this desperately unequal ladder? You know, she's right on top of it. And she is um, naive but also curious. And she's caught between her morality and, and desire. Yeah. Uh, she's caught between wanting to do the right thing and then ultimately becoming being a coward and then having the awareness only later about this world. She's also very young. I was also interested in, the, um, in, in having her come from a very sort of culturally elite family, but whose power is on the wane in the new India because it's being eclipsed by this coarse new money. Mm-hmm. Um, that also was brought on by um, privatized by liberalization by by the the way the economy sort of broke down and changed uh, very rapidly from a socialist one to a capitalist one, and all the people who benefited from that. So, you know, a middle class was created, but also there were so many people who were left behind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, d- did I read that you called her a recovering coward? Is that what you said? I, I don't remember, but that's really, um, I often don't remember what I said. Yeah. Actually, that is <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Absolutely. Um, that's that's the, an apt way to describe her. You know, but she is. Isn't um, that a lot of, that's a lot of maturity and, and kind of growing up, right? When the, the scales fall from your eyes and you realize, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I could have done something differently. I could have, it's, it's just a part of growing up, um, yeah. maturing in a, in one sense of the word. Yeah. And, and I also think that for me personally, I don't believe that character changes um, that much. Um, which is, of course, difficult when you're writing uh, fiction because if you're if you're looking at arcs and you yeah. say character doesn't change, how are you going to show that? Um, I think um, uh, you know circumstances shift yes. and change, mm-hmm. but characters often do stay similar. So um, that's been really interesting for me from a personal point of view to explore my personal belief that character doesn't change, but to do it in a fictional world where you are trying to show transformation as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that is something Kate and I talk about all the time and kind of struggle with identifying who, what is a core person? Like, what, who am I at my core? But also, how do I, you know, change when I'm in one circumstance to the other? And how do I present so differently? And what is really, you know, who I am? And what is kind of a face I'm putting on or a farce I'm trying to, you know, get into and yeah I mean, what's the core of you and and that's always the most interesting thing for you know for me as a writer as, as to, to to discover yeah in characters I, I think baby steps little changes can make <laughs> yeah. a, a big difference but you're right people don't have this grand arc from you know from yeah. something totally different to to a new thing at the end um, and yet it's, drama it's is realistic. built on that right? it is exactly right. that's, mm-hmm. so so yeah. so that's always interesting you know like yes. reconciling these competing 
thoughts, yeah. interests, ideologies. Because I mean, I, I think a lot of people do believe that you can change yourself and you can change character. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people believe falsely that when you change your circumstances, you will change. Wow. And yeah. it can be different. You can be, you know, uh, slightly different, but it's not the kind of transformation sometimes we're sold. Yeah, in, uh, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. People Agree forget they're still yeah. stuck with themselves, even though yes. Yes. wherever you go, <laughs> yeah, that core is a, coming with you. <laughs> yeah, and if you're on like a, a luxury five star, you know, beach house or island somewhere, you know, you still have yourself to deal with. To deal yeah. with, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, so this novel is told in three parts and told from three different points of view. You've already mm-hmm. discussed Netta, as we've talked about, and then the other two, Ajay yeah. and Sunny. Yeah. I was curious if you want to tell us a little bit about them and uh, who was the hardest to write and which one kind of was the last puzzle piece that made the whole novel kind of click together for you? Okay, so I'll start with the first question. Um, Ajay um, and Sunny. So Sunny is the um, the son, the only son and heir to um, this vast polit- uh, business fortune um, and, and, you know, sort of nefarious criminal empire um, that his father has built, Bantivadia, but he wants to move away from his father. He um, wants to launder the family reputation. He wants to build the city. He has very grand ideas, uh, but he's not ruthless um, like his father. So so we're going to see the tension in mm. that and the dynamic and how he figures out who he wants to be. Um, and Ajay... Um, is who is really the heart of the novel. We start with Ajay. Um, he is this young boy when we meet him who is sold off by his mother in order to pay off a family debt when his father dies tragically, finds his way in um, is working in the mountains for, for a sweet couple who, and, and eventually working on a dairy farm, he makes his way to um, a, a guest house where he meets Sunny. Sunny, who changes his life, who offers him a job in the city, Ajay takes it, moves there, and then, you know, tragically, with tragic consequences, Sunny manipulates him. And, and But I was, I was interested in Ajay. I remember having the characters of Sunny and Neda kind of already mapped out, but it was not really, it was not until I had come to the character of Ajay that I knew I had my novel. And that was also, I was traveling in the mountains, I met a young boy with a story of loss who was working in a in a guest house who had been sent by his family and he was just full of hope for the mm-hmm. future even though you know he he didn't have much yeah. going for him right. yeah. um and I combined his story with the story of the young men who work as uh, domestics whether they'd be servants or chauffeurs or butlers in these big private mansions in Delhi that I witnessed uh when I lived in Delhi worked as a journalist but partied a lot night uh, had access to all these places and when I combined these two that's when I had Ajay and that's when I had my novel yeah and was it a moment of like aha like this is it clicks in and I can go and and did it take off from there the writing yeah I think I think I was I remember because I was earlier it was I was kind of stuck you know it was kind of becoming like a a Delhi less than zero or Gatsby but I wasn't you know you know a Delhi Gatsby rich people do horrible things and then retreat behind their wealth I've got Gatsby so much more and it's one of my favorite books of all time Mm -hmm. but um 
I, I didn't want to just do that. And I realized very soon that if I'm writing about um, the super rich in India, then really it's a story about extreme inequality as well and corruption. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's when it kind of pivoted and changed. And I realized that these are the things, themes I want to address while also kind of smuggling them into an entertaining story. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, which, smuggling them into an yes. entertaining story. And I love, yeah. we love to hear those moments of when, when the story clicks um, yeah. from the authors. Yeah. It's just, it's the best. Um, so one of the things that you hear repeatedly or read all the time about this novel is how cinematic it is. I mean, that word is used everywhere for good reason. Um, so was that something you had in mind when writing it or otherwise do you just write with such a visual quality or, or what? Um, didn't have that in mind, but I do, uh, I think visually. Yeah, so I okay. think in images and scenes and then I translate them um, into prose. And I think that really helped with yeah. the, the cinematic writing or with people thinking it's cinematic because I love watching film as well. But I, I mean, it's just, I guess it's just the way I write, you know, yeah. I, I can see the scenes and then I see the, the various characters, you know, in that scene and, and then they may be like thinking something or doing something or there's some dialogue and then everyone else adjusts accordingly. But, yeah. And that, that gets translated. So oh, I love that. Yeah. 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 You seem to, I'm going to, I hope to come back to this question, but you seem to rely a lot on your subconscious or something to make these things. And I know that you're a little hesitant to put words in it because it's not, it's beyond words. It's, you're like, this is just how I see. I don't know how to explain it to you. Right. Yeah. Right. It, but, it feels, yeah. it's hard because, um, some, you know, it's so, so much of it is instinct. So much of it is working with the subconscious, um, so much, and, and, and working with, Sometimes that can hinder the process, especially if you're writing, say, a plotted novel and you have an outline, which, I mean, I, I don't outline, but I do have a general idea of how, you know, things will proceed. But sometimes something just inserts its way into the narrative. A character suddenly will come in um, and then you just got to work your way around it. And um, it's, it's, some, it's an organic process, but it's also quite chaotic. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, they're just chasing it. your characters and just managing them. Yeah. So. Get back in. But, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. I am the controller of the situation. But I want to talk about what Kate said about cinematic and you were talking about your love and film. And I want to bring it back to The Godfather, which is what Guardian had said about this was the, like, like I said in the bio, India's answer to The Godfather. First, I want to back up. Your book really defies genre, right? It is part crime thriller, but this epic saga, there's gangster corruption, but also isn't you're not afraid to, through the story, confront the reader and make the reader confront their own ideas of what's right and wrong morally, politically, what are our obligations and our responsibilities. But I want to, like I said, focus on the gangster element, which to me, again, evokes kind of shady deals, um, you know, violence as a means of compliance, greed as a driving force. I feel like I'm very happy to have you to talk about this, but I feel like people associate these things with men and mm -hmm. the masculine. And I'm glad I haven't heard any kind of false, you know, oh, it's written by a woman. Yay, yay. You know, the, but 
I've always been really attracted to those stories. Rage of Angels by Sidney Sheldon, I read when I was way too young. Um, and The Godfather is one of my favorites. And I, I wondered if you too think that or, or have any feelings around why that's typically considered a masculine um, domain. Yeah, I think um, a lot has changed. But, you know, generally men tend to write about guns and violence and crime. And when you, when you think of the big crime writers, you, you know, you, you think of, you know, the men, but then there's also Highsmith, you know, yeah, Patricia Highsmith. Patricia, she's, yeah. she's a master at, mm-hmm. at this, and at this craft. So it's just, but, you know, women not always tend to get um, um, associated with, you know, domestic fiction or feelings. Yeah. Picky yeah. feelings. As if men don't have feelings. And and I yeah, think I exactly. wanted to yeah. And I and I really wanted to challenge that. And I also was writing an extremely masculine world. I mean yeah. North India, mm-hmm. UP, Delhi, um, gangsters. I mean, most gang not all, but you know, you associate gangsters with being men. At least, you know, I mean there are a few women. Mm-hmm. And women can be horrible and tough and cruel. Um, and violent as well, but you know it does often get associated with being a man's world. And and you know I was happy to step into that and just Good. say you know I'm going to try writing this. And so what if yeah if it's and and it, and the great thing is as you said like no one's saying oh you know she's a woman yeah it's right just like yeah it's it's fine yeah I'm yeah. so glad I haven't heard that because I'm I'm glad that you're in this world, but it shouldn't be as remarkable as as maybe it might have been you know, 10 years ago. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Same. That is just yeah. about the writing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Delhi and, and some of the other places this is set. And, you know, we've talked with authors in the past too. certain books, really the setting feels like another character in the novel. Um, and I think it's really remarkable when, when that's done well, when it really does feel that way. So particularly like Delhi, you really bring to life in this. So, you know, why was that important to you or what were you hoping to capture about it in this novel? So Delhi for me is a city I have an extremely intense relationship with. Mm. It's where I came of age. It's where some, you know, important life-changing events happened to me in a very short period of time, uh, these two big debts, and that sort of set me off on a different journey in my 20s. And I worked as a journalist, drove around everywhere, you know, met a whole lot of people from different backgrounds, you know, hung out with cops, with criminals, with, you know, mm-hmm. um, very wealthy heirs <laughs> to big fortunes. Um, and um, I love stories myself where, you know, which have a really strong sense of place. Mm-hmm. And I wrote Age of Ice, most of it sitting in Lisbon because we moved in 2018 right. here. But I had it all inside me. It's like I could mm. feel, I could feel the sun. You know, I could hear the thousands of birds in Delhi. I could hear the train horns, the cars, the rattle of air conditioners, and you know, ceiling fans. So I really wanted to get that, you know, that landscape, the soundscape, the pleasure and the pain of living in Delhi, the intoxication. Yeah. that you you feel yeah. when you're in the city it's also i mean it's as beautiful and grotesque in equal degrees you know yeah. and and if i could get some of that in that was what i was aiming to do 
I love the way you play in extremes, right? You've just said beautiful and grotesque. And I think uh, you had also in an interview written about like the cold winters and the boiling hot summers and how it's not a tame or stable earth. And it just, all of these ways that you see it and feel it in these extremes, but also without having to reconcile them is, is just really, it's what brings it to life for me. Yeah, I mean, thank you. It's it's great because I just I was hoping to convey some of that. You know, there's that's that intoxicating feeling of being there, but also just the streets. You know, and and yeah. what being on the streets is like, and then going to someone's house and they and they because it's it's often quite an unpleasant sensation. It's very hot most of the mm-hmm. year. It's noisy. It's polluted. And, and then someone invites you into like this grand palatial home serves you champagne you know and whatever else you want it feels served by someone like Ajay it's very seductive and then you end up making terrible compromises right right yeah because and that's all really rich ground to explore drama anyway yeah Yeah, the contradictions Yeah. yeah yeah like I said you seem to do this all throughout just maybe your even your personality your core self is to kind of embrace those contradictions without reconciling them without trying to cancel one out over the other um it makes for really rich characters and rich setting but i also understand that you embrace that in your writing process as well um kind of this like you everything is is content you're looking around you're taking notes in your mind but then when you're really writing you shut the world out and so you're taking in the world during one part of the process and the other part of the process, you don't want anything to do with the world. Is that how you feel it is like kind of that cycle of extremes? Yeah, I think so. And and it's really important for me to experience the world, especially when, you know, I'm in it. I mean, I lived in India, but I'm also back in India. It's like just sort of dive headlong into everything, whether it's unpleasant or not, you know, be uncomfortable if it means you're going to get material and not pursuing a story like it's an investigation and you're a journalist. I think, you know, right. For fiction. Um, it, that yeah. Yeah. Work. You yeah. could, you know, yeah. for example, if, if you're hanging out with an arms dealer's son or something, you know, in a five-star hotel bar or an arms dealer, as a journalist, you're going to be like, I need to get something out of this guy. Yeah. Right. But as a novelist, you're just going to be drinking whiskey with him. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. hearing and stories and yeah, yeah. And that's it. It and, and for hours. And then maybe years later, that will find its way into your exactly. uh, fiction. So, but then when you actually write, you have to shut everything out. And that's what works for me. I, mean, I know everyone has their own process. Sure. Right. Yeah. Right. So I want to return to the characters, just the three main characters um, kind of all feel trapped. Each one is unable to escape or transcend their circumstances, no matter how hard they try. So what does that say to you about the world to the novel? Or what were you speaking to there? I think it's it says that however hard, I mean, especially for a character like Ajay, there are people who are, um, they feel that they're trapped in a world that they have no control over, and that they can't um, get out of. I mean, there's also, for Ajay, it's the expendability of him, of his yeah. of his situation, of his life. He's so expendable. He, you know, no one cares about him enough. His loyalty is, you know, used and manipulated by by Sonny. Um, but then there are people like Sonny who, who you think, okay, 
he could change his situation. He could change the situation for people around him. He could make a better life for people around him who are, say, lesser than him. But he chooses not to. What does that say about him? He's, right. But he also still believes that he's he's a casualty of like this age. Right. Yeah. yeah, of this world. And Neda as well. And I think Neda has a lot to answer for because she really makes this choice uh, this cowardly decision that changes the course of everyone's life. I mean, mm-hmm. I know Sunny does it too, but Nada had, you know, this idea that she could have made that decision and it would have changed at least Ajay's situation. Yeah. But she doesn't mm-hmm. do that. And well, of course, the novel pivots on that. So, yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a different novel otherwise. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Um, so, to wrap up, I want to talk about what you maybe are loving right now, what you're reading or watching or taking in that helps you kind of fill up your pot. Or if you're not doing that right now because you're giving a lot of publicity, maybe you you want to mention anything that people who love your book should go read as maybe influences for you. Well, um, I'm I'm watching a bunch of things. I'm watching Happy Valley, which is this um, crime show. Um, set in Yorkshire, Yorkshire, Yorkshire. Yeah, my husband's from Yorkshire, so I can't mispronounce it. So <laughs> <laughs> you won't hear the end of that. Yes, yeah. I am reading a couple of books. I, I actually, I don't have it here, but I, I'm reading. Um, oh, it's this big, chunky um, diaries of Patricia Highsmith, which oh, wow. uh, you know, it's like big. Yeah. Wow, and, and and it's great because it's just like talking about her from the time she was, you know, young writer with no real prospects to when she got older and was, you know, uh, famous and wealthy. But, you know, it's just about her loves, her life, her writing process, um, lots of gin. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, she nice. gin. And then I drank, yeah. Um, and, um, and that's, so this I like to dip in and out of because it's just interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm also reading a book called Cremation, which is a Spanish um, author. It's called Crematoria. It's translated as Cremation, which is um, a similar to the themes of Age of Ice, but it's set in Valencia uh, about, um, you know, again, rapid transition from a, a poor, poor kind of agrarian society into one that gets transformed into this beachfront Mediterranean seaside properties. So there is corruption, there is wealth being created overnight, and there's all the changes that it brings to the local population. Um, so that's very interesting. Yeah, so just a bunch of things. Yeah, I, I love when... Focus when focus on one thing at the moment. So. Yeah, well, yeah. that's yeah. fair. I love when yeah. someone who writes a 560-page book says another book is big. Yeah, uh, we, exactly. we saw the picture. It's, <laughs> yeah. That is a big book. Yeah. And I know this is Age of Vice is the first in a trilogy, so I assume you're also maybe working on the next one? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, um, I'm, I'm making notes. I'm thinking about structure. I've kind of got an, I, a very firm idea of where and how it's going to start. And, um, yeah, I'm actually really excited to dive back oh, into it. Yeah. That's great. Good. We love yeah. to hear that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so good of you to take time out, and we've really enjoyed hearing more about the background of this. I know. I mean, it was pleasures all mine. It was real fun talking to you guys. Thank you. Excellent. Well, thank you. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life and the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. 
and then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Fiction Women or on Twitter at Pop underscore Women. For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.